Look at someone next to you and say, you can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens you. And I've been talking, we've been talking about detoxing from inadequacy. And uh, many people wouldn't think of it as a toxin. But the thought that says, I can't do it, or I'm overwhelmed. I remember when my wife, she was a young mother, and, and she was... Um, her mom had an illness that was very difficult for uh, her to teach my wife how to be a mother. So when she became a mother and was trying to be a Christian and trying to do everything, and she had never had a model. And so she was living with this word overwhelmed because it just fit her life so well. Like, I'm overwhelmed. And it's, have you ever felt that way? Like you're drowning? Overwhelmed? Like, I ain't going to say that because I'll be overwhelmed if I say it. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think everybody has those moments where you're like, I don't know if I can take it, man. You know, you're, you're, it seems like life can bring you right to the edge sometimes. And then some people, you know, be, when you get toxic, it's like one more thing, one more straw, right? And it's going to break the camel's back. And you get, some people live in that, like, I, I can't take another thing in my life. And, of course, uh, that is toxic because it creates a, a hopelessness in our life and it removes our peace because we're, we're making a vow and we're saying, you know what, I can't. And if you, if you want to hear the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ always says, I can't. Say, I can do all things. So if you have the mind of Christ, it's the I can mind. The, the mind that is, the, the world gives you is the I can't. I can't uh, take this test. I can't graduate. I can't get a promotion. I can't keep going. I can't keep trying with this marriage. That whole concept of I can't. I, I talked to a close friend of mine. He used to be uh, one of our associate pastors way back in the day. Most of you don't even know him. It's that far away. He was only with us for about a year. Um, but uh, he's, been, he's my age, and uh, he's been married the exact same amount of time. I've been married 41 years. I know, it's, it's hard to believe because I don't even look like I'm 41. It's ridiculous. But that's just the way it is. Don't be hating. But, uh, but he, he, he's calling me, and I mean, he, he, he messaged me. And he said, I said, how's the family? Uh, and he said, oh, I'm, I'm divorcing my wife. Now, he's been married 41 years, and he's divorcing his wife. And I, I really don't know exactly why. So I start, tried to say, well, listen, man, can I help? I think they get the divorce as final next um, month in September and I said well look can I help look can we he said well we just you know we just kind of grew apart and I thought well you can grow back together if you can grow apart you can grow together so uh, can we just well we never connected I said well in my mind you know you don't want to make people mad at you because they don't want to I was trying to get him to hear me so I'm not just jumping down his throat but you kind of want to sometime with people like come on man you got kids and you got grandkids you've been married for 41 years Come on, you need to finish this deal. You'll never believe me that divorce is not a solution. It's another problem. And it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. So it, 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 let me help you. I mean, you've been a preacher. He's a preacher still all these years. And now you've been telling people to hang in there and hold on and just tell everybody you can. And now when, when you need to can, you just walk it away. I didn't get that harsh with him, but I... I kept saying, look, why don't you just come and talk, man? We can talk. I'm, I'm here for you. I'm here for your wife. I love you. There's no reason to throw this away. But, you know, he had made up his mind. That's toxic. When you say, I can't, you know, chances are he, you know, I won't even say it. But, yeah, that wouldn't be right to say. I'm leaving that behind. Take that out of my mind. <laughs> hey, I just saved myself. Mine was like, don't say. 
what you're about to say. But it's, it's, when you get toxic, you have I can't in your mind in respect to your relationship. Some people think I can't live for God because they suffer temptations and they've fallen and this and that. And so they get I can't in their mind. I can't overcome that temptation. And they start believing the I can't in life more than the I can. They come into faith on the I can't because it feels right. I just can't. But you can. See, you have to rise up into faith. That's why I say inadequacy is toxic. Because it begins to work itself into your system, and it's anti all that God says. It stands in the face of God's word and says, I don't care what God says. I can't. Right? And But we're not that way. Let's just read this, because I know you love this scripture. Philippians 4, I'm reading the King James. Here it goes. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. This is the fourth chapter, the 12th verse. I know how to be abased, I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And here's the secret. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say it with me. I can. Come on, say it like, preach it to me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I love the whole concept. He said, hey, hey, I've had good times, I've had bad times. I've had times where I had plenty, I had times where I just don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. He said, but I learned this secret, that no matter what state I am, I'm going to conquer. I love it. I'm going to read it in the Passion Version. We read it last week. I want to read it again. Same scripture in the Passion Translation. He says, I know what it means to lack, and I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance. For I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or in hunger, I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. And everybody said amen. amen. Come on, you can give God praise. Give him a shout if it's true. You know, sometimes we quit before we even start the uh, race, don't we? We see something and we already got our mind. We can't do it. A lot of things that you can do, you think you can't. I remember my, my, my sister-in-law made the very best uh, coconut cream pie. You ever get something in your mind like, I've got to have some and it has to be hers? Like at Thanksgiving, you know, I got maybe two or three helpings and it just, I got addicted. A year later, it hit me. And then she said she's not coming to Thanksgiving this year. Then the next year, I'm waiting for this pie. The next year, year, year uh, she's, she doesn't bring, I'm offended almost. She doesn't bring the coconut pie. And I've gone on two years, man. And so it hit me one day. I said, you know what? I can make coconut pie. And I had that, that sound. Dun, dun, I'm like, I can do it. I'm not going to ask. I'm not reading any. How many of you men don't like to read any directions? I had, I had some guys out there with me yesterday who were trying to get a compressor going. And these guys are right here. It's brand new. I took it out of the wrapper. We hooked it up and it wouldn't work. And, and I looked at him and said, listen, we're down to reading the instructions now. It's bad. <laughs> so we're digging through the garbage. And there, somehow someone hated the directions so bad they kept everything and threw the directions away. So there's, there's like four guys, like monkeys, just pulling things, pushing things, unscrewing things. And finally, you know, something that we did made it work. I still don't know what it was. But I thought, I'm not even going to ask directions. I'm just going to, like, get inspired. So I went to the grocery store, and I'm visualizing 
this coconut pie. I know I can do it. So I went there, and I got to the aisle where they, they have this stuff, and I'm thinking, you know what? It tastes kind of like vanilla pudding with some coconut in it. It's not coconut pudding. And so I'm, I'm just going by faith, and I'm looking at the thing, and I'm trying to, and then, then God sent an older lady. Thank God. I'm not saying I, just God sent her there. And I put that helpless man look on my face like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm supposed to make coconut. <laughs> and she said, I'm going to help you, honey. And so, like, she, like, she started, like, putting stuff in my thing. And tell, now, you know what you want to do. And I'm, like, soaking it up. So God sent me counsel from heaven. She might have been an angel. I don't even know if she's a real person. <laughs> so I went home, and you know what? I can tell you, I made that coconut pie like boom. The meringue was like boom. I had coconut on top. It was crunchy. It tasted, I think, better than my sister-in-law's. Come on, somebody. I can still do it. And after that, I didn't want to, I made it like twice. I didn't want to do it anymore. But I had to, it is really something that you can do so many things you don't think you can do. You know, you have YouTube now. You can get YouTube certified. You can fix an Audi right now. You can have an Audi. It's like, I can just go to YouTube, change the motor on the Audi. It'll just have it. A guy there doing it. It's amazing what you can do. These, look at somebody say, you can do it. My, my son-in-law, where's, where's, uh, where's my son-in-law? One of my son-in-laws, his name is Donovan. Where you at? All right, Donovan, come here, man. I got, I got, all right, Donovan has got one of these I can do it guys. Come on up here, man. You look at him and think, this guy just can't do stuff. But Donovan, when, we, uh, when, when he, they first got married, we were, they, they stayed at our house, and we were working on a project at the time. And I, I was trying to figure out, you know, how to do, I couldn't get my loan through. It was ridiculous. So I was having to just work on my own, figuring stuff out. And so then I hired a guy, my son-in-law, who knows less than I know. I'm like his instructor on how to do stuff. So we were going to lay tile in, in the house because I'd hired somebody and they took advantage of me. They took my money. <laughs> they took my money and I, I ended up firing them. So I've got a big stack of tile and some glue and some stuff. And I, and I've li I, I laid tile before and I said, you know what? I think you guys can do it. Let me show you how. And look, two seconds later, he and Maddie started laying tile. Come on, Maddie was there. And if you go to my house, they lay laid the whole house. They're like, we can do this. I was like, no, you can't. They said, yes, we can. I said, no, you don't even know how. And they did it. And it's amazing. That they laid the whole house. And it really looks super cool. And uh, so last night they called. We know we have church at our house in Baton Rouge. We, we, we remodeled this house with a big living room so we could have church there. And so they called last night and they said the air conditioner's out at the house. And I know that air conditioner is like a computer controlled. If one wire is wrong, you got to program it. It's like a high tech. And, and they, Hannah said, Dad, the air conditioner. I said, well, when could they fix it? They said, Wednesday. I said, Wednesday? And so I thought, well, we're going to have to move service to somewhere else. She called back and said, Donovan thinks he can fix it. I said, Donovan can't fix the air conditioner. He's not an air conditioner man. You can't just fix an air conditioner. He said, oh, yeah, he can fix it. I was like, he, should, he wants to try. I said, please don't try because I'm going to end up having to pay for whatever you mess up. Just don't try. Let's just find a place to have church tomorrow night. And they said, Hannah said, I think he can do it. I was like, oh, man, don't tell me you can. I don't think you can. And I begged him to let me out. He wants to try. So they called back. A few minutes later said, 
He found out what's wrong with it. I was like, come on, man. They said, yeah, a, a, a rat got in and chewed the capacitor out. I'm like, how did he even know what a capacitor is? And how do you know a rat chewed it out? And I was like, well, that's it. Game's over. They said, no, he wants to replace it. He wants to get a part on Saturday night. I said, there's no way we can't get a part. Quit. He was like, they still want to chew it because they want air conditioning. I was like, ah. And so I called an air conditioner man I know, Eddie, and he said, look, I can get you one of those parts. The part that they wanted was 10 minutes from my house. The guy gave it to us. They put it in, and the air conditioner's working. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it's true that you can do a whole lot more than you think you can do. Stop bailing out before you even try. Stop trying to say, I can't, when God says you can. And so don't be toxic. Always have the idea. I love this guy, Mike. Y'all know Mike Lester? Like, turn, stand up, Mike, and look at everybody, and just look at his grin, and you know that means trouble. You could just look at him and say, that's trouble right there. You know, <laughs> somebody's going to be in trouble because he, he's still got mis mischief on his face. But I like working with him because he's always saying, we can do it, we can do it. We had like 17-foot grass in the back of this thing, and Mike showed up with a minimal tractor one day, and he said, I'm going to start cutting that thing. He got stuck eight times. I pulled him out eight times in one day from the back of our building, and every time I'm saying, Mike, just quit, dude. Please, we need to do, get some. <laughs> He's still doing it. But that day, I'm having to go into the mud and pull him out over and over and over. I'm at home in bed. He's called, look, I'm out here. The dark is raining. <laughs> it's raining. You're in the dark. No wonder you're stuck. I had to get a 100-foot rope to pull him out. And, and I kept saying, you know, Mike, you just might want to just stop, man. He's like. I ain't stopping, I can do this. It's raining. I ain't stopping, I can do it. But if you look around this building, this grass is cut all the way to these other people's yard. <laughs> look at somebody say, I can do it. And that's how you conquer in life. You get rid of the I can't. You get the I can inside of you. And we've been talking about um, Gideon. And he gives us the picture of conquering inadequacy. When Gideon... Uh, had an encounter with God, his inadequacy, his toxin, his poison of inadequacy was confronted by God. And all of us have to have a moment. If you're going to have your purpose in Christ, you're going to have to stop saying, I can't, and start saying, I can. And so uh, we, we started last week looking at six things that detoxed Gideon, how God detoxed Gideon. And we said... Uh, let me just read it. Judges 6, verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was with Oprah. Not, you know, I won't keep going. Which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, whose son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Number one, we said last week, the Lord is with you. The enemy will tell you because you haven't been good enough, because you hadn't prayed, because you made mistakes, the enemy will lie to you and tell you that God is not for you and he is for you. Tell somebody God's for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? The greatest lie the enemy ever tells is he'll tell you that God's not with you when he is with you. 
He sent Jesus to prove that he's with you. You've got to carry that confidence inside of you. I've got the creator inside of me. What did Jesus say? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Somebody say greater. greater. Say the world might be greater. But there's something greater than the world. Come on, put your hand on your chest. Say greater is he that's inside of me than anything I face. So when you know God is with you, inadequacy starts to disappear. Number two, we talked about it last week. He, God called him, you mighty man of valor. God called Gideon, a young teenager who's hiding in the wine press, threshing wheat to try to get a sandwich. The Midianites were stealing all of their increase before he was, they were being frustrated. It, they would grow something, the Midianites would steal it. So he's hiding from the Midianites threshing some wheat to try to make some bread and God looks at him and says you mighty man of valor and what we found out last week is God in respect to you God looks to you God looks you looks at you like you look in the future wow that was very uh weird the way I said that <laughs> tell somebody you're more than you think you are now here's why you write things down here's what I really meant to say God lives in the future in respect to you Look at somebody say, God lives in the future in respect to you. Say it with me. Say, I'm somewhere in the future, and I look much better than I look right now. All right, now just look someone like a sincere preacher look. Say, I'm somewhere in the future, and I look much better than I look right now. How many believe you're going to look much skinnier than you look right now in the future? Come on, prophesy, I'm somewhere in the future, and I look much skinnier than I look right now. So God looks at Gideon, weak, afraid, hiding out, and he doesn't call him what he is. He calls him how it's going to be. God goes to the end of the story and sees that Gideon is a mighty man of valor and comes to the beginning of the story and says, you are not going to believe how awesome you are. You are a mighty man of valor, but you don't know it. And that's how God works with us. In respect to us, he doesn't live in the present failure. He lives in the future glory. He sees what you're going to be, and he addresses you not how you are, but how you're going to be. So if God says you're mighty, you've got to make a decision to believe him more than your current circumstance. Are you with me? The third thing we said last week, this is all good preaching. Third thing we said, God's word trumps your reality. Gideon said, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has this happened to us? This is a stronghold that many people suffer with. They believe that if, if God is really with me, look at my life, why is it a mess? Listen, it ain't over yet. It's not over yet. God's just beginning to work. Write this down. The Lord spoke this to my heart this week, and I want you to say this with me. It's where I am, not who I am. Say it with me. Say, it's where I am, but it's not who I am. So you have to tell you, I don't care if you don't have a job. I don't care if you can't get it done. I don't care if you've got restrictions, financial restrictions, physical restrictions. That is not you. God says to you today, it's where you are, but it's not who you are. You might be living in a broke down situation and you think this is me. It's not you. 
It's not you. You have to make a determination. You're going to believe what God says about your life more than what you think about your circumstances. You're going to have to start believing what God says about who you are more than looking around and saying, I am defined by my circumstances. And it's not an easy thing. You know, if you're, you're living in a bad situation, it starts poisoning you. And it starts to say, you know what? It's you, bro. This is you. This right here, that's you. And God said, no, it's not. This thing's not. As long as you're breathing, it's not over yet. Come on. That makes me smile. Smile at somebody and say, it ain't over yet, man. <laughs> you ain't dead yet. As long as you're not. Look, I see some young people already giving up. They're 17 years old, already bummed out. Bummed out. They're already toxic. They already think they can't succeed in life, and they're, they're babies. I mean, they're just getting started. They're 30 years old, throwing in the towel. 30 years old. Let me be 30. You be 60. <laughs> I got a few minutes to finish, and I'm going to. Now, that was last week. This is this week. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go, and this your might. Let me, let, me, let me read exactly how it says. Then the Lord turned to Gideon him and said, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Write it down. Number four is this. You don't know until you go. You don't know until you. At that moment, Gideon actually had the anointing to, to save his nation on his life, but he felt normal. You don't know what you've got until you jump out. You don't know what you carry. God said, I already gave it to you. You already got it. Like, I'm still waiting. Why are you waiting for? You got it. He said, go. Get up and go. If I told you to do it, you can do it. Well, I'm still waiting. Don't wait. There's a power in the word go. Remember what Jesus said? You know, go is three quarters of God, two thirds of God. Go. Go. What did Jesus tell his disciples? They didn't know how to preach. They didn't, they'd just been admiring Jesus. And then Jesus one day had a teaching session. He said, okay, go. And as you go, preach, save. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then he said, Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Now, you know, most of us are like, excuse me, we've been watching you do that. <laughs> what in our experience together has given you the idea that I can do anything that you just said? I mean, this is how white people think, especially. Like, please, I intellectually, I cannot get my head around this. <laughs> I mean, Jesus said, I just told you, go. Like, I know you told me to go, but I don't know what I'm doing. And I don't know how to do it. Could I have a course or something? Could we have a course? Could I get a piece of paper, like from the Wizard of Oz, with a stamp on it, saying that I am certified and qualified? Can I go through three years of training? I don't remember anything from college. Any of you guys remember anything? I can't remember anything from high school either. But I do remember the times I just went for it and God showed up. Winners... A degree doesn't make you a winner. What makes you a winner is what's inside of you. Because you have a go inside. Let's just go do it. You know how you're going to learn? Do it. I don't know how to fix cars. Start trying. You're going to mess up, then you'll figure it out. Are you with me? You don't know till you go. When God speaks to you, see, Gideon could have saved the rest of this thing and just got up and said, okay, you said, see, God gave Gideon a prophetic word. He said, you're going to save Israel. 
Why? Because I told you so. When God speaks to you and you come into your purpose and you start understanding what God wants for your life, you can do it. God says preach, you don't have to know how to preach, you can preach. God says raise the dead, you don't, have to, you, don't have to, you don't need to know how to raise the dead, you just do it. God says start a business, you don't need to know how to start a business. God says do it, just do it. Now there's, you say, well, I can't believe you're saying that. I can make big mistakes, you can. But the biggest mistake is being freaked out and scared. The biggest mistake is being a coward when God tells you to do something, you don't do it. That's why you, some people don't like, I don't like the way God, that lady, you know, she started a Bible study and look, let me just tell you, her life is, all right, listen, God probably asked 20 people to do it and then he said, you know what, I'm going to have to use the crazy lady. <laughs> the reason the crazy lady is doing this is because no, you wouldn't do it. And he's like, oh, she, you know, she won't do it, so I'm going to find somebody. You might not like the person that's doing it, but you should have been doing it then. You're going to find out you might have more talent, more education. You might have more anointing than that person, but they had one thing you didn't have. They said when God said go, they got up and went. So the key is obeying God. Number four, you don't know until you go. There's an old saying, and it's true. If you think you can't, you can't. I don't think I can live for God. You can't. I don't think I can start a business. You can't. I don't think I can stay in this marriage. You can't. I don't think I can conquer depression. You can't. You can't if you think you can. But if you think you can, you can. I mean, I counsel a lot of people, but I can tell you the difference in a healthy person and an unhealthy person is one thinks they can't, the other thinks they can't. The other one doesn't mind the challenge and said, I'm going to get up and do this thing, and they do it. Persistent action is the secret to overcoming. You embrace the prophetic word of God, and you just go do it. Judges 6, 15. So he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I'll be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites like one man. He said, think of that big army. Think of it like one man. You're going to take them down. Now, listen, some of us are more in touch with our weaknesses than they are in touch with God's word. They're, they're more in touch with what they the, what the weaknesses, they're more in touch with what is disqualifying them than the word that is qualifying them. God said, didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you? That's all you're going to need. Some people are obsessed with it. As soon as I overcome this weakness, as soon as I'll do something great. You know, because God's not with me when I got a weakness in my life. Well, you know, I got news for you. Number five, glory in your weakness. Glory in your weakness. Well, you can say, Pastor Bray, where did that come from? Listen, your weakness does not disqualify you, it qualifies you. First Corinthians, the first chapter, the 27th verse says this, but God has selected for his purpose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, revealing their ignorance. And God has selected for his purpose the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, revealing their frailty. Are you seeing a pattern here? If you're weak, God chooses weak people. Perfect. If you're foolish, 
perfect, God chooses fools. God wants to show how awesome he is by taking people with weaknesses and doing awesome things. Don't you see it? That God is not looking for the strong. He's looking for the weak. God is not looking for those that are wise. He's looking for those that are foolish. Any foolish or weak people in here? Hey, that's your pastor. God wants to make himself look good, so he doesn't want someone who looks good already. So he finds somebody like, you know what? You do something great for God, and everybody's going to say, oh, you know that was God. That guy? That guy from high school? You mean him? The dope head? That guy? That's the glory of God. So if you're waiting for weaknesses to leave you, maybe they won't. But they don't disqualify you. Look what it says. God has selected for his purpose the insignificant, the base things of the world, the nobodies, and the things that are despised and treated with contempt, even the things that are nothing, so that he might reduce to nothing the things that are something, so that no one may be able to boast in the presence of God. You ought to give God a shout. Weakness is not your liability. Let me read one more. I'm, I'm, I'm closing. This is my closing. You don't know it, but I'm closing right now. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul said, take this weakness from me. I want to be strong. I want to have it all together. I don't want to have all these issues and all these controversies in my life. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness, my mercy are more than enough, always available regardless of the situation. For my power, listen, is being perfected and is completed and shows itself most effectively in your weakness. Listen to what he said then. Therefore, I will all the more gladly boast in my weakness so the power of Christ may completely enfold me and may dwell in me. The Greek there says, I will boast in my weakness, not in my strengths, so that the power of Christ will pitch a tent and dwell on my life. How many of you would rather have a tent of Jesus pitched over your life than to be the strong guy with no problems that you might want to be? Listen, God knows how to use who he's going to use. You just have to abandon yourself. I want to read it in the, in the passage. Can I do that before we close? But he answered me, my grace is always more than enough for you. And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weaknesses. And when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So I'm not defeated by my weakness, but delighted. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, and when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger. For my weakness, listen, for my weakness becomes a portal of God's power. You don't have to say anything else, man. I mean, I don't, no comment. Just receive it. Let me finish with this last. I'm finishing. Judges 6, 19. 
Uh, this is my last point. There's got to be six or we just won't get it done. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot and he brought them out under the terebinth tree and presented them. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and he called the altar, the Lord is my peace, Jehovah Shalom. To this day, it's still an Oprah of the Abizarites. Number six, write it down, come into peace. Come in, I don't care if that job is 100 a, a miles bigger than you are. Come into peace. Get, settle in your mind. I can do this thing. I don't care if that challenge is, is, is bigger than you can imagine. You just need to come in. The, if God called me to do it, right? If God, I, heard, I read it on Facebook. Someone said, if God called you to it, he's going to bring you through it. I think he said, if God brought you to it, God will bring you through it. It's true. You got to come into stop being afraid, stop being toxic about what you're facing. If God brought you to it, God's going to bring you through it. You're going to conquer it. You're going to overcome it. This is going to be your greatest hour. This is going to be your greatest moment because the power of God is about to come on your life. Jehovah Shalom. Now listen, I want you to get this last little idea. He brings, listen, people are starving and he brings a feast to God. He brought an offering. When you think you've heard from God, because let's just be real. We think God told us to do sometime and sometimes we just got all excited. Recently I thought God wanted me to buy a Jaguar and my wife said, that ain't God. I didn't have to pray about it. My wife just said, you know that ain't God. I felt like I heard God, but I missed it on that. More about that later. But he brings his best offering. Listen closely to me. When you think God tells you something, and when you believe God spoke to you something like, you know, you're supposed to get married or that, that you're supposed to start a business or you're, you're supposed to leave that job and, and do something risky, and you believe it's God, you know what Gideon did? He said, I'm bringing my best offering. What does that mean? If you want it to be confirmed, bring your best. And this is the motto of my life. Really, it's all I really know. You never really know that you know that you hear from God till you jump out in it and give it your best. Don't give some halfway effort. Well, you know, if, if it's God, go for it. Bring the best that you, bring what you don't have. If you believe it's God, bring your best offering. We're going to find out if fire comes on that offering. Gideon brought his offering and he said, yo, oh, God's in this. Fire came on it. And you know, that's when you know that you know it was God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't sit there waiting. Say, you know what? You know, if you, I believe I'm supposed to start a daycare center. You know what? If you believe it's God, don't be one of those people who think about it forever. Do it. Give it your best offering. What if I fail? What if you succeed? I can promise you, you won't succeed if you don't try. See, playing it safe is not the peace of God. I'm using the peace of God. Some people think the peace of God is trying nothing, doing nothing. Kind of getting insurance on everything. And everything's in your life. You have a safe little grave that you live in. But the great thing, they said that the sweetest fruit is at the end of the branch. You got to take a risk. You got to get out there and you say, you know what? I believe God. I love those kind of people. I believe God told me to do it. I'm, who do you think God's going to use? 
the, the fearful, hesitant, I'm not sure if it's God, I'm not even going to try. You think those are the people God used? Heck no. The people God used the ones that say, you know what? I think it's God I'm going for. God is always looking for someone who's crazy enough to say, I'm just going to do this thing. I believe it's God that told me to do it, and I'm going to give it my best. And I can tell you in my life, uh, I've never been disappointed when I gave something my best. And even when I failed, and I've failed many times, even when I have failed, I never looked in the mirror and said, you didn't try. That you didn't see the offering you give tells God who you are. If you believe it's God, go for it, man. Don't be afraid. Don't be a coward. Don't play it safe. You only have this one life. Go for it. Now, you, I want you to pray for it. When you believe you heard from God, go for it. Give your best offering. Who knows? Perhaps God will do a miracle and you will step out of the doldrum of everyday life and you'll become something very special like Gideon. God knew Gideon could do it even though nothing said that Gideon was a warrior or he had any ability to do this. God built at this place where he gave the offering. They called it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is my peace. You know where you come to peace? Not playing it safe. Not be having a risk-free life. You know where you're coming to peace? Where you say, I did my best. I believed it was God. I gave it my best. I'm at peace. If I, if I blew it, if I missed God, well, that's the, God's going to, I promise you, God will turn that thing around. See, God looks at the heart. And if you believe God's telling you to do something, live in peace. Come into peace. Give it that offering. Let that fire come down. Am I making any sense to you guys? Don't, be, don't play it safe. Jump out there and believe God for great things, for surely he's going to use you to change the world. Who do you think he's going to use? Strong people? Wise people? People who have it all together? No. God's looking for someone like you to do something crazy so that he can show his glory through your life. Come into peace. Peace. Peace is knowing I did my best. Peace is knowing I went for it. When I die, I don't have to worry about did I miss God. Because when I hear God, I'm just going for it. This is, how, this is God's way of living. Needing him to show up. Believing he'll show up. Are you with me? All right, we're going to pray. If you don't mind, stand up with me right now. Today, if you never gave your life to Jesus, you need to jump off and take a risk and say, I'm giving my life to Christ. You feel God today, and you feel like, you know what, this is what you need. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. You need to give the offering. Right now, if you never gave your life to Christ, or maybe you gave your life to Christ, and you let it go, and you fell away, don't worry about it. Jesus is still here. And all you have to do is say yes. All across the room. If you made a decision in your heart, I'm turning this thing around. I'm going to serve Jesus with my life. Then pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus. You just pray it in your heart. I'm sorry for all the dumb mistakes I've made. I'm sorry for rebelling against you. I'm sorry for doing it my own way. I believe on the cross 
you paid the price for my selfishness. I receive forgiveness. Say it with me. I receive forgiveness. And I receive Jesus Christ. Come on, everybody say it with me. And I receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life right now. Everything I have belongs to you. And everything you have belongs to me. I receive your peace, your joy, your purpose, your love. I declare it before heaven and before all the earth. Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. Now, if you prayed that prayer today, just receive. Don't think it too much. Just receive. And all across the room, if you've been confused and you've been feeling overwhelmed, right now with your hands lifted to the cross, let that weakness of unbelief leave your life. Right now, say in Jesus' name, fear and the weakness of unbelief leaves my life. I declare today, I receive God's prophetic word about my life. I believe if God spoke it to me, he has the power to bring it to pass. I declare now, I live a life. Come on, prophesy. I live a life free from the poison of feeling overwhelmed. Free from the poison of being inadequate. I make a decision right now. I'm a child of God. I am who he says I am. I have what he says I have. I can do what he says I can do. The fullness of God is living in Jesus. And Jesus is living in me. Come on, I declare I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. For me, because I believe nothing is impossible. Limits are removed from my life. Come on, lift your hands right now. Come on, look. Rejoice in your weakness. Well, I get tired. Forget about getting tired. That's, God's going to use people who are tired. Forget about you don't know how to talk right. Moses didn't know how to talk right. Forget about that you're not smart enough. God's not looking for the smart. God's looking for the available. God's not looking for the spiritual. God's looking for the obedient. God's just looking for someone who said, I just want you to use my life. If you don't mind, just lift your hand and say, use my life. Say, Lord, my hope is in you. My hope is in you.